Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Lav Lav. <laughs> Lavender Brown. Uh, the, well, you're going to quickly find out what I think of her. But, yeah, the infamous Lavender Brown, former girlfriend of Ron Weasley. I'm actually super excited about this episode. I have a lot to say about her and I learned a lot when I was researching for this episode so I'm pumped. I also am gonna get on the I'm gonna go on another crusade similar to the one I just went on for Slughorn but I think I'm going to regret immediately after recording but I think I'm gonna defend lavender a lot this episode so yeah katie's been hinting at uh her great the great defense of lavender brown i i I mean i don't think it'll be that i don't think it'll be that great i'm just going to and like i think i lightly touched about touched on this when we talked about that one article um talking about her and how she's like the antithesis of hermione i think that like article slightly touched on it but you'll see (laughs) okay before we get started, I just want to thank our listener, Kairavi, for this suggestion. Apparently, Katie is really excited for it, so I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And before we go into the fact file, let's each choose one word to describe Lavender Brown. Well, I think I'm going to just go against everything that I just said about defending her, and my one word is going to be annoying. <laughs> Shoot, that was going to be mine. Okay, I'm going to go with my runner-up word, which is immature. Okay. I can do it. Go ahead. Super quickly, before we get started, I just want to thank everybody who played trivia or dropped in on the live, um, specifically the first trivia that we did, because this is our first episode post doing that. Our first recording. Yeah, yeah. So this is our first time recording post doing that. So I just want to thank everybody. It was, I had so much fun. Audrey and I were both super nervous that we'd be like super awkward and that nobody would join and that it would just be a disaster. But I don't think it was. Um, I don't think we came off as awkward, but maybe Well, by the time you're listening to this, we will have done it again. So hopefully we did better that time if you thought we didn't do well the first time. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, so thank you guys for that. Again, I had a blast. But jumping back into the episode, so starting with her fact file, her name is obviously Lavender Brown. So this is just a quote about her name from the wiki. So lavender is a type of flower as well as a name for the pale shade of purple of the blossoms. In flower symbolism, the lavender can symbolize affection, cleansing, or concealment. The ancient Romans used lavender to scent baths, and its name is derived from the Latin verb lavare, to wash. In Western culture, the color lavender can sometimes be used to symbolize decadence and the enjoyment of sensuality. Interestingly, lavender is a color, and her last name, Brown, is also a color. (laughs) So... Insightful. Yeah. Fun fact, her first and last names are colors. Wow. 
I wonder yeah. what her middle name is. Oh, I bet it's Rose. Lavender Rose Brown. Does yeah. that mean then that Ron named his daughter after his ex <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because they were meant to be together. Stay tuned for a later section. Lavender and Ron? Yes. Oh, God. Did you add more sections? Oh, no. That's just in their relationship. Okay. Section. I'm so worried. <laughs> Lavender's birthday is sometime in 1979 or 1980 because she's in Harry's year at Hogwarts. We could probably narrow that down more with, like, it's September like of September 79. September 2nd to August 31st. Yeah. So... Not much there. No. And she's a pureblood. When I was making this, I definitely looked up what the source was on that. And I have since forgotten it. So... Checking. I have the wiki open. (laughs) Oh, the source is the, like, um, JK's list of the... Oh, that's right. Yeah. What is it? The original whatever? Yeah, like Original 40? Yeah. Something and I think like Lavender that. is listed as pure blood. I don't believe they're in the Sacred 28, though, right? I don't think so. That's interesting to me that she is a pure blood, though, because the name Brown. Mm. Well, I guess, I guess that maybe is why she's not in the Sacred 28. It's like Harry's not in the Sacred 28 because, yeah. or the Potters aren't in the Sacred 28 because Potter is such like a muggle name. Um, so I wonder if that's, like, why they didn't get included. Yeah, maybe. Because apparently, to be elite in the wizarding world, you have to be a pureblood and also have a strange name. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> okay. So her house is Gryffindor. And I feel like it's not super obvious why. It's kind of just, like, she's a a Gryffindor in Harry's year. She could have just been one of the two unidentified Gryffindor girls in Harry's year, which I think we should come up with names for. So I was just thinking, I think that we should make our own fanfic about like our headcanon or whatever about their names and like who they were. Right. If, yeah, because if you guys are confused as to what we're talking about, there are five girls in Gryffindor in Harry's year and we only know about Hermione, Lavender, and Pavardi. So... Let us know if you have speculation on who the other ones could be. Could be yeah. a good discussion for our Facebook group. Yes. Also, <laughs> join our Facebook group. Oh, we should run a poll in that with what their names are. Yeah, but to run a poll, you have to have options. No, but we're going to come up with options. We are? Yeah. Oh, God. Like, we're going to... Okay, I'm going to come up with the options. Yeah, you can come up with the options. <laughs> So yeah, her house is Gryffindor, and Wizarding World says, quote, she was brave because she stayed to fight the Battle of Hogwarts. She was brave because she stood up for herself. She was brave because she wasn't afraid to show the world how she felt. Uh, I think just being in Dumbledore's army and staying to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts don't necessarily mean that you're a Gryffindor, because there's a lot of other groups that do that. Um, But I like the, like, comment that she was kind of just like unapologetic of her feelings and so that's a very brave thing to do yeah I like that so her bogart is either a rat a rattlesnake or a bloody eyeball um so in this scene in prisoner of azkaban where we see um the kids go in front of the bogart and it change shapes or whatever 
she, so those are the three bug arts that were not specifically attributed to a certain student. So they're just left over and lavender was not specifically attributed to an, like a bug art other than those three. So that's how they got that. I think that it being a rat would be like, I don't know, kind of like funny because of scabbers. Yeah. Cause like Ron has scabbers and like maybe that's why she didn't show any liking to Ron till after he got rid of scabbers. <laughs> um, I know that like four year four happens in between that without scabbers. And but five. Yeah, you're right. You're all five also goes between, but the other two Gryffindor girls have the other two bog arts listed here. Also, can I just mention that a rat and a rattlesnake are kind of like, okay, those are things that people fear. Um, but a bloody eyeball, like... Yeah. I, that's very, like, weirdly specific. <laughs> I know that there's something about eyes that, like, creep humans out. That's why they're using right. a lot of horror imagery. Um, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if by bloody eyeball it means, like, there's blood on the eyeball or it's, like, the you can see the veins or, like... Also, is it just, like, an eyeball that's, I think like, it's on out the of ground its rolling around? Like, oh, or is yeah, it just, I'm like, a giant like disembodied eyeball floating? <laughs> like, if anybody's been on Tower of Terror, like, that's a little, like, the eyeball that opens up. Um, anybody who's been on Tower of Terror, like, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, I just sound like a crazy person. Um, that's, like, what I picture. I've never been on Tower of Terror, but that's a story that I can tell you at a different time. It's quite okay. funny. Um, okay. Anyway, my vote for Lavender goes to the rat. For her bogart, because I think that's funny with Ron and Scabbers. And then I'm really just, and now I'm just so curious to learn about this unidentified Gryffindor girl who has a bloody eyeball as her <laughs> bogart. Like, is there a reason? Like, had she, like, hurt her eye? Had somebody in her family, like, somebody yeah. she knew her, her eye? Does also, she... oh, sorry, go ahead. She is She's the Mad-Eye long lost daughter. daughter of Mad Eye Moody. <laughs> yes. And it's Mad Eye Moody's eye. Oh my god, that's I'm, crazy. I'm 100% certain of this. Okay, okay. I could be convinced. <laughs> I think that Goblet of Fire does pose some problems to this. Like, does she not know that Mad-Eye Moody is her yeah, father? Yeah, she But then, know. like, why would, then why would the eye be what scares her? Um, because she doesn't know, but she has these subconscious memories from her infancy of... <laughs> She so was what actually Mad-Eye born around the time that Mad-Eye Moody, her father, lost his eye. And because of that, um, when he <laughs> lost his eye, he just couldn't bear the type of person he had become. And so he actually left her mother and her um, as a result. But Mad-Eye Moody so, knows she exists. Yes. And chose to come back to Hogwarts and teach at the school, just, like, hoping she didn't recognize her. And, she, and so, like... In that case, her mother never told her that her father was Mad-Eye Moody? Her mother never told her her father was Mad-Eye okay. Moody. Okay. It's a big secret. She okay. doesn't know her identity. Okay. She just knows that she's afraid of bloody eyeballs because she saw the remnants of that. Wow. I like that. Also, uh, taking a swerve from that, <laughs> going to the rattlesnake, I'm pretty sure in the movie that one is like... It's attributed to maybe one of the Patel twins. Oh, is it attributed to I think Padma? So. Because Pavardi's is the clown and it she makes it into the like 
Jack in the Box, and it's yeah, terrifying. which is like just as creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we definitely see the rattlesnake being attributed to some student. I know that for a fact. That's why I'm like less inclined. I know that the movies aren't canon, but like subconsciously, I'm like that's not lavender. Is that that that's that other student? You know. Mm. Okay. So. Yeah. Stay tuned for more on my history of the long lost daughter of Mad Eye Moody. <laughs> we should make our own Super Carlin Bro Brothers video for it. <laughs> I'm making it. I'm, that's what I'm doing tonight. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. I have to edit the episode that comes out before this. <laughs> All right. Her Patronus is non corporeal. Yes. Sorry. I was trying to think if I remembered what the source on that was like I do we see her do that in the DA I think it's DA okay so her likes as attributed to her by Pottermore now the website formerly known as Pottermore um are unicorns giggling and Ron and fun fact I really want to post the link to it this probably in our Facebook group so again join our Facebook group there's like this really cool infographic about Lavender Brown and there's like a giggle tracker in the um in the infographic that shows like how many times certain care like three characters are shown giggling and she's like by far shown giggling the most and Pavari. yeah it's, it's like them in Pavari. conjunction yeah but that's really funny I like yeah. that a lot and then her pet, we're really getting into it on this fact file, her pet is Binky the Rabbit, but I should have said was, because Binky the Rabbit died, as foretold by certified seer, Sybil Trelawney. So, question. An owl, a cat, or a toad are the three No, she pets. doesn't bring Binky the Rabbit to No, 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 I don't, I, I know. So an owl, cat, and toad are, like, the three pets allowed by the first letter that Harry gets. Is that correct? Yeah. But Ron brings a rat, which is not on that list. So are yes. we to assume that Ron and Percy previously are allowed to break this rule, but Lavender wasn't to bring her rabbit? Rabbits are bigger, though. I feel like rats can be big, though. I mean, rabbits are smaller than cats. Yeah, I don't know. Or, like, know. the same as Maybe size. it was a family rabbit, though. I Maybe guess. her mother couldn't part with it because it was her mother's only companion oh after Madame left her. Oh, shoot, wait, that's the wrong person. character. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, what? Never Maybe Binky didn't want to go to Hogwarts. I guess. I feel like it's also implied... That, like, Binky wasn't that old. So, I feel like it was a fairly new pet. No, isn't it that Binky was old? Because then Hermione's like, it's not that big of a deal that Sybil, that Trelawney, like, predicted. But but she, she also says Binky, no, I think she says Binky wasn't a very old rabbit, was he? Or she, I don't know what the gender of this rabbit is. And Lavender's like, no. And then so Hermione's like, then you wouldn't be dreading the death. Because it's like, something you dread will come to pass. And Hermione's making the argument like, this is bad that it happened, but it's not something you were dreading happen. Like, it happened out of the blue. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, enough about Binky. And her favorite subject is divination. Which we see. And three on. And that's, I feel like that's why 
her, so she gets mentioned a lot more starting in Prisoner of Azkaban, and it's always just like in divination class. That's where yeah, all it's of always about Trelawney. Yeah. yeah, so I'm gonna warn you guys right now that her first mention is very underwhelming. <clears throat> But Brown, Lavender, became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry could see Ron's twin brothers catcalling. Ew, why are they catcalling? I, f- I feel like catcalling might have been, like, the w- not a good, like, I feel like they were just, like, whooping. Oh, like a different Yeah, <laughs> not, like, catcalling as in, like, oh, she cute, oh, she bad, but more like, um, like... Just like whistle, I feel like they were doing that whistle thing that like people like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I feel like they were doing that to like celebrate. That's my okay. interpretation of it, anyways. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that is her first mention. Nice. All right. So her personality type is another tough one, but she has been assigned ESFJ. Which is the same as Fleur, Cedric, Molly, and I believe so Katie. So then me, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I feel like she's the annoying person. <laughs> you have, like, some of the redeeming. <laughs> I also have some of the annoying traits. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that you did. <laughs> okay. So, yes, I have the, read this a few times before because it, it's a common one that comes up a lot. But... People who share the console personality type are, for lack of a better word, popular, which makes sense given that it is also a very common personality type, making up 12% of the population. In high schools, consoles are the cheerleaders and the quarterbacks, setting the tone, taking the spotlight, and leading their teams forward to victory and fame. Later in life, consoles continue to enjoy supporting their friends and loved ones, organizing social gatherings, and doing their best to make sure everyone is happy. I don't buy the, like, leader part. But I guess as far, besides, like, the, I feel like the only person at Hogwarts that can truly be described as, like, popular would be Cedric. But I guess as far as, like, Hogwarts has, like, popular people, we could say that Lavender is, I don't know. I think early on she's probably more popular than Harry and Ron and Hermione. Because, like, in the first few books they're definitely, like, misfits. And then they yeah. become kind of, like, cooler. Yeah. Especially Hermione. <laughs> yes. She's really good friends with Pavardi. She, like, has friends. And Seamus asked her to the Yule Ball. So, like, clearly some people like her, right? Even if, like, Harry and Hermione and most of reader, the readers find her annoying. And whenever we see her, she is being social in some way. So, like, she's always kind of with Pavardi. So I take her as someone that, like, cares about that relationship with her. And I think she does kind of fit this like, social aspect of the personality type. Okay. Discussing scientific theories or debating European politics isn't likely to capture consuls' interests for too long. Consuls are more concerned with, the, with fashion and their appearance, their social status, and the standings of other people. Practical matters and gossip are their bread and butter, but consuls do their best to use their powers for good. Um, gossip is, like, really stands out there. I feel like she's always, like, whispering with Pafardi, gossiping with her, making kind of, like, snide remarks. Um... This, like, description of debating scientific theories and European politics not being of interest is, like, the point where she really clashes with Hermione, I think. They have 
very different interests and Hermione sees her as frivolous because of what she's interested in and Lavender sees Hermione as boring and booky and nerdy. Consuls are altruists and they take seriously their responsibility to help and do the right thing. Unlike their diplomat relatives, however, people with the consul personality type will base their moral compass on established traditions and laws, upholding authority and rules rather than drawing their morality from, from philosophy or mysticism. So I don't think I would go so far as to call her an altruist, but she does end up like doing the right thing with Dumbledore's army and the Battle of Hogwarts. So, you know, that's good. She helps people. One thing I wanted to point out that like stood out from this part of the description is that Ron's personality type falls in the diplomat category that they mention here. And that could be like one of the reasons that they're incompatible. Although I don't really think that the relationship ever got deep enough to talk about where their moral compass is based in, but you know, <laughs> there's something for Katie to debate when she talks about how the fact, the fact that they were true soulmates. <laughs> Uh, supportive and outgoing consuls can always be spotted at a party. They're the ones finding time to chat and laugh with everyone. But their devotion goes further than just breezing through because they have to. Consuls truly enjoy hearing about their friends' relationships and activities, remembering little details, and always standing ready to talk things out with warmth and sensitivity. If things aren't going right or there's a tension in the room, consuls pick up on it and try to restore harmony and stability to the group. Um, again, she's very social. That's basically the takeaway. I think sensitivity is something we see as a negative thing with her because she's very sensitive to what other people think about her, what um, is going on with Ron. But I think that could be if we like knew more about her relationship with people, like if Harry had a good relationship with her, um, I think that could be something that we could see was her being like a sensitive person in a friendship. And on that note, <laughs> more about sensitivity. Uh, coming to terms with their sensitivity is Consul's biggest challenge. People are going to disagree and they're going to criticize. And while it hurts, it's just a, it's just a part of life. Um, so I think that's, I mean, th she's definitely sensitive. She's also just like a teenage girl in a time. Like that's a hard, hard per period of life to go through. We've both gone through that. <laughs> um, I think we handled it differently than Lavender did. I know I did. I don't know about Katie. I, I but... don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Sensitivity is a big one. Uh, and then for strengths, we have strong practical skills, very loyal, strong sense of duty, sensitive and warm, and good at connecting with others. Duty, I think, again, we can talk about Dumbledore's army and staying, staying to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. And good at connecting with others. That gets back to the social aspect. I don't really know that she's, like, very loyal or strong practical skills. Yeah. Like, she could be loyal. I don't think she's very loyal. I don't think it's, like, a defining characteristic. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like if she was very loyal, she'd be in Hufflepuff. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm very loyal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> It's, like, the only Puff thing about me. <laughs> That's the only thing about Puffs. What? <laughs> <laughs> but this is also true. Um... For weaknesses, we have worried about their social status, inflexible, reluctant to innovate or improvise, vulnerable to criticism, often too needy, and too selfless. Uh, social status for sure, and then the vulnerable to criticism and too needy are like kind of defining traits for her. 
There you go. I like that. Um, I was going to interject about my defense of her, but I think I'll wait. <laughs> um, so next I'm going to talk about her relationship with Ron, and I'm actually, I feel like I've been hiding this up, but I'm really excited for this section, because, like, I've learned a lot. Um, so they're, in that infographic that I mentioned earlier, they also have, like, a timeline of their relationship, um, so that's where I'm going to be reading chapter numbers later on in this section, and that's where that information comes from. Contrary to what the movies portray, Lavender was kind of, like, just always around, especially, like I mentioned earlier, Prisoner of Azkaban onward. She was always in all of the classes with Ron and Harry and Hermione, and I feel like they, like, kind of got along amicably. I feel like I've had trouble saying that word in the past episodes as well. I should just find a new word. Um, like, I don't think that they were, like, she was their favorite person by any means, but... I think that they, like, she was just a classmate with them. You know, like, I feel like they would just, like, I don't know, like, as much Except as... Except for Hermione. Yeah. But, like, as much as, like, you would get along with kind of, like, any classmate that you're not, like, super close friends with, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of how but I, I feel like their relationship. Yeah. Maybe Ron, because I feel like Ron wouldn't get as annoyed with her when she was just, like, kind of in the background. And Harry probably wasn't paying attention, but Hermione definitely, I feel like, was, like, always annoyed with her. I feel like the main thing that the movies really get wrong and why I call them out is that, like, Padma and Parvati are always shown as, like, the two extra Gryffindor girls in, like, Harry's year a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, that's false because Padma was in Ravenclaw and it was, like, Parvati and Lavender that were always just kind of, like, around in the background, like, next to them in the Great Hall, like, eating or whatever. Um, I don't know. I just feel like she was around a lot more than the movies, like, make her seem to be. Because in the movie, she literally just comes out of nowhere in the Well, yeah, I'm going to talk about movies, so. Okay, I won't talk about that. Talk about much more then. Um, and specifically with Ron, she was actually almost his Yule Ball date in The Goblet of Fire, because Harry asked Pavardi. And then Parvati's like, okay, sure. And then Harry's like, I need a date for Ron. And she goes, what about Lavender? Or Harry goes, what about Lavender? And Parvati goes, oh, she's already going with Seamus. And that's why Ron ends up going with Padma. And then getting into, like, their actual relationship throughout Half-Blood Prince. In Chapter 9 of Half-Blood Prince, she is seen, like, laughing at a sarcastic comment that Ron made. And Ron looks, like, kind of pleased with himself afterwards. He's like, yeah, I'm funny. Um, and then from there on out, she's kind of shown as like looking jealous whenever Hermione shows Ron affection. So I believe after Quidditch tryouts, Hermione runs and gives Ron a hug or whatever. And she's kind of seen like just exiting the Quidditch pitch. Um, so I know I love how in the movies, I think this is the first time you like really see her in Half Blood Prince is like during Quidditch tryouts and she's just like sitting there. I know you she's like brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> She's, like, really excited about it. And it's, like, uh, she, in the movies, at least, she hasn't been introduced, like, at all. <laughs> like, and the idea of her liking Ron hasn't been introduced at all. And they show, like, Hermione and Luna cheering for Ron. And then there's, like, Lounge. She's, like, she's, like, rigging her hands and, like, rocking back and forth. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so funny. Also, like, part of the reason an extra comes out of nowhere is because, like, a different actress plays her than, like, I think actually, like, three different actresses play Lavender Brown throughout the movies. This but, is what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, Audrey's going to talk about that later. Um, but that's another reason why it comes out of nowhere, because not only, like, has the character Lavender Brown really not been introduced, but, like, this actress hasn't even been introduced in the... Yeah. Anyways, whatever. Um, and then in chapter 14 of Half-Blood Prince, Ron and Lavender have their first kiss after the Quidditch match. They have a short, passionate affair where they spend a lot of time snogging and not a lot of time talking. Um, she calls him Wan Wan. I don't believe he really calls her Lav Lav. I, I think that's used to make fun of Ron by, like, Hermione and Harry, and they refer to her as yeah. Lav Lav, like in and maybe Fred and George, yeah, something like that. I don't think that he calls her Lav Lav though, but I could be wrong. <laughs> he doesn't stoop that low. I don't, I don't think so. Um, and she gives him a necklace that says "My Sweetheart" on it for Christmas, and um. Oh, oh my god, sorry. I just remembered something. So when I was, like, looking up stuff about Ron and Lavender's relationship, there is this really hilarious theory online that Lavender Brown foretold the parentage of Jon Snow. So, like... What? So in the I need to know. in the movies, she goes up to like the compartment door and like breathes on it, does a heart, <sighs> and does R plus L. <laughs> and spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, but Jon Snow's parents, contrary to like what everybody believes, are Lyanna and Rhaegar. So yeah. R and L. <laughs> That's so funny. So there's like this thread. I real I think it's like a joke. Um, but like there's this thread. No, I believe it. <laughs> and it's just it's really funny. Um, um I just remembered that, sorry. On the topic of that scene, the when we were at LeakyCon, we we're like in a room about to watch a panel, like sitting, waiting for people to come. And this girl comes and sits in front of us and we can tell she's in cosplay and we're kind of just like like, what is it? We don't, we see her from behind. We're like, what is she dressed up as? Like, who is she supposed to be? And then she had turned around at one point and we saw her later and she is dressed as Lavender. She's wearing the exact outfit Lavender is wearing on the train. Um, and she has this like frosted glass in front, like hanging o- over her neck that is R plus L in the heart. And like, it's literally down to like the lines yeah. on the arrow going through the heart and everything exactly correct it was one of the best cosplays i've seen it was really cool also about this scene i just like have been rewatching a bunch of the movies the amount of time that passes from like lavender brown finishing it on the window like cutting to ron and harry and then hermione showing up there's no way the fog on that window would still be showing up <laughs> that clearly i'm sorry <laughs> uh, but anyways i think this episode is going to turn into us bashing the movies um, but so by chapter 20, which is like mid-March, because it's post-Ron's, um, poisoning and hospital visit. Isn't that... And that happens was, on his... not the hospital visit happen on Valentine's Day? No. So, like, the reason why it turns out so bad with the love potion is because the chocolates are old, and it's on yeah. Ron's birthday, his birthday is the beginning of March, so by the time he gets out of the hospital wing, I'm, like, assuming, like, a week 
I don't like mid to early yeah. March, whatever. So the relationship starts to take a downturn, but it does not take a downturn in the way that the movies portray it. So Lavender sees him leaving the hospital wing and I believe it's with Hermione and she gets really upset because like Ron didn't tell her that he was getting released from the hospital wing and he's with Hermione. And I feel like that's kind of understandable to get mad at your significant other for like if yeah, my okay. if my significant other was like in the hospital and then one day I just like see him walking around at Target with like another girl I'd be like the fuck yeah like you yeah. not only are you like with somebody else I'm already jealous of which Lavender is already jealous of Hermione but like you left the hospital wing and didn't even tell me that you were getting out um but the final sorry no you can go Oh, I just want to say that despite it being wrong in the movies, this scene is hilarious. And you should, if you rewatch the movies anytime soon, you should just pay attention. The funniest part about it is to look at the professor's faces in the, in the background. background. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good. <laughs> but the final straw was her seeing Hermione and Ron coming down from the boys' dormitory by themselves because this is the night that Harry takes the Felix Felices, so he's under the invisibility cloak because he's on his way out, and, like, he's with Ron and Hermione so they can open the portrait for him because in the books, this is always a big deal. Like, whenever Harry sneaks out or is in the invisibility cloak, he always has to be let out and let back back in by somebody else because he can't, like, enter and exit the portrait hole in the invisibility cloak. And so Lavender gets really mad, and this is when they break up. This is also the night that Gene and Gene and Denny, Dean and Jenny break up. Um, That's also because of the portrait. Yeah, it's also because of the portrait, and also because of the Felix Felicis and Harry beat specifically Harry being under the invisibility cloak causes both of those breakups. Um, so yeah, that's great. Wow, looking into Ron and Lavender's relationship, I found that there's a lot of speculation online of whether oh Ron and Lavender uh, got a little intimate. <laughs> um, so there, this is I. This is why I was so excited because there, there's like a huge Reddit thread about it where like people are like discussing in depth. There's also a Quora thread, so. I'm going to read some quotes from these threads because I love it. So the first one is from the original Reddit thread. Um, and I believe this was the original poster. I could be wrong. This could be the person. Rep- no, because the person who posted just asked the question. So this is like the first reply, like the most popular. So it's by Knightley Ostrich. So here's the quote. <laughs> I always thought so. I think it's pretty clear that Ron got together with Lavender purely to get some physical experience in the romance department. And indeed, every time we see them together, they're always snogging. They're barely even seen talking to each other. And then later on in the thread, I've seen a lot of people argue that Ron wouldn't have done it because deep down he knew he still loved Hermione. But honestly, maybe I'm just not that romantic. Not very romantic, but I don't see how him being in love with Hermione would have prevented him from getting it on with Lavender. <laughs> that's so that's exactly how I feel so like the main argument on both threads that I read is that people want to believe that he didn't but I don't know where I don't I don't know where I stand on this because their relationship is very physical people also bring out bring up um that this is maybe why Lavender gets really attached because it might have been like the first time for both of them and so she saw it as like 
they're going to be together forever kind of thing. And so that's why she's so clingy and so jealous and like so protective of their relationship. I don't know. I think that's like a very interesting way of thinking about it. If that is what happened. Um, People are also saying that JK couldn't have explicitly said, oh, they had sex because this is a children's book and like pretty PG throughout most of the books, um, barring the random bitch or bloody hell or whatever (laughs) um so people are saying that like jk's way of letting the readers know that they did is by like how physical they are every time we see them and then obviously like in the movie they run into like harry and hermione in an empty classroom and they're obviously looking for an empty classroom for some alone time um so make of that what you will I want to add to that they're looking for alone time, but they really have no issue being seen snogging in public. That is also true. Um, I think something to also mention is that at this point, Ron is, he's 16 turning, no, he's 15 turning, he's 16 16 turning 17. 17. So she's 16 turning 17 as well. Um, So like, I mean, that's not definitely not, like, a crazy outrageous age for something like that to happen. Like, I'd almost say that that's kind of normal. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so, that was a really interesting thing that that's I hilarious. found on the internet. People have very passionate opinions. And then, kind of, like, the other side is everybody's like, but Ron knew that he loved Hermione, so, like, he wouldn't have done it. Um... He knew that he didn't have feelings for Lavender, so he wouldn't have done it. I don't know if that's true. Mm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then kind of speaking to their relationship as a whole, people also do believe that they deserve to end up together. And the main reason for this, I found a pro-con list, and the list was like, Hermione's better than Lavender, so like Ron deserves lavender because he doesn't deserve Hermione that was like pretty much the thinking um kind of the only like well thought out defense I've heard for this is that like uh, lavender gives Ron the attention that he really craves kind of throughout his whole life we always see him feeling like he's overlooked like all of his brothers are so much more successful than it than him he's best friends with Harry Potter um like he always has this underdog complex and he always is kind of craving attention and lavender like provides that attention for him um I've also seen like arguments that they're kind of on the same level emotionally basically just digging at Ron for not being like I don't like I, the emotional range of a teaspoon. Yeah, pretty much. Although lavender is a larger yeah. emotional range. Like I didn't really understand that one. Like maybe I could see the argument that lavender was so emotional and Ron wasn't that they like balance each other out. But I don't think that actually <laughs> well, is what happens. I think Ron is emotional in that he like doesn't have control over his emotions. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, not. He doesn't sure. have like. Yeah, I think Hermione's quote is more like he's not really good at understanding others. Other emotions. emotions yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that was a super fun part of the internet that I had never discovered before. But when you look up Ron and Lavender's relationship, I was literally sitting next to my mom when I was doing notes, and I was like, the top three results are just the Reddit thread, the core thread, an an article talking about it, like if they've had sex. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) This is a thing that people have feelings about. I I honestly had never thought about it. Never in my life had I thought about it. But now I'm convinced that they did. That's hilarious. (laughs) I'm so happy you found that. 
My life feels so enriched. <laughs> See, I told you I learned new things. I think I'm going to go read those after this episode. You should. <laughs> the best okay. part about it is that these people, like, are these are long threads, like, very strong <laughs> opinions, like, very well thought out, very well researched. It is just, I loved, I loved it. I love this fandom. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now kind of taking a turn into a less entertaining <laughs> section. Uh. I'm going to talk about Lavender. This is all, like, really movie-based, um, being portrayed as a person of color and then replaced by a white actress. So, I mean, I feel like I really didn't know this until I, like, actually became part of the fandom, you know, like... Well, I think we were at LeeCon and the actor who played Lee Jordan... I think yes, Luke, was Luke Youngblood. Yeah, so he's wearing this t-shirt, and it was like had like Kingsley, Lee Jordan, Angelina Johnson, um, Hermione, Hermione. Um, Blaze, Blaze, um, and then Lavender Brown on it. And so, like, obviously, from like reading all the names, we're like, oh, these are the black people in the series because it's not technically all the people of color because Pavardi and Padma. But anyways, yeah. um, but we were like Lavender Brown. We were like both like what? I've never heard of her being a person of color before. Yeah. Um, so we like looked it up and that's where we like found out about it. I was like, oh dang. On the shirt, Lavender's name has an asterisk yeah. next to it. I also spent a while while doing notes for this episode trying to find that shirt and find who makes it because I wanted to like tell our listeners. Yeah. I, for some reason, I had it in my head that it's the, it was the Harry Potter Alliance, because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people at, at Leaky Home were wearing it, Yeah. but I couldn't find it on their website. I, I like, really, I, every, anytime I just Googled black characters in Harry Potter shirt, it was just, like, black shirts with characters <laughs> on them. So, <laughs> if anyone knows where that's from and, like, how to purchase it, let us know, and we can send the link out, because um, I think it's a great fandom shirt. Yeah. Anyway... Lavender was played by two black actresses in the first three films, um, Jennifer Smith and Kathleen Colley. So, I mean, these were presumably just like 11, 12, 13-year-old girls. Um, and she was noticeably not in, she was not noticeably in Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix. She was probably just in the background, but like neither of those char- no, those actresses were playing her. Yeah, it was probably just like an extra, like nobody was cast for the character of Lavender Brown, but they're just, like, Gryffindor girls. Yeah. And so she was recast for Half-Blood Prince probably because they know, like, I would assume that, I mean, they needed to recast because they didn't have anyone play her in the last two films. Also, she was becoming a speaking part. Um, so she got, like, an actual role. And Jessie Cave, who's a white actress, got the part. Apparently, I was... Also, deep on some Reddit threads, apparently there were black actresses at the audition for the recast, so it wasn't a definite, like... It wasn't, like, in the description, like, white girl. Right. Um, So it sounds like they were open to it. Um, I also want to point out, I don't think this really needs to be said when I'm, like, about to critique all of this. None of this is a critique on Jessie Cave. I think she did a great job playing Lavender. I just think that, like, there are some issues with how this all went down. Um, so her race is not ever explicitly stated in the books. If you assume that she's white because of this, this is kind of just like white bias. Um, doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it's just, 
Like if you're a white person and you assume that someone whose race is not stated is also white, that's just like a privilege that we have because um, that's been the case for a lot of literature. So just because someone's race is not mentioned does not mean that they are white. There are only five black characters in the entire series. Dean Thomas, Angelina Johnson, Kingsley Shacklebolt, Lee Jordan, and Blaise Zabini as Katie listed. I think I forgot Dean uh, Thomas in my list, but... Oh, yeah, you might have. <laughs> yes. Um, many people also read Hermione as black, and she ends up being portrayed or um, played by a black woman in Cursed Child. So that's like a whole other conversation we can have on the Hermione episode. Um, but that's just kind of something the fandom has done a lot. And then I think as a response, she got cast as black in Cursed Child. So I think I have a lot of feelings on this and I, I tried to like type a lot of them up. So I said them correctly, but I think generally this was like a huge, huge miss for representation and diversity in the films. Um, I think the producers, directors, I don't really know movies, whoever made those calls, casting agents, whatever, um, I think they made a really good, great call in casting her as black in the first few films. It's not contrary, contrary to what is said in the books because nothing is said and it increases the scant diversity that we see in the series. Representation in media, especially media that young kids are consuming is so, 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 so important. I think for kids that are not white to see people that look like them on screens, tells them that they can be successful like those actors or brave or smart or whatever those characters are. Um, that kind of representation is really important. It's also important for people that aren't that race. So, I mean, you shouldn't just have black characters if you want, like for black people to watch, like if you are a white kid and like exposure to diversity and seeing people of other races in successful positions is going to make you less biased and maybe likely to be less prejudiced in real life. I mean, this goes for all kinds of representation. There are so many studies talking about like kids that read books that have gay people in it being more accepting and stuff like that. Um, representation, even in fiction, like we often just think of it as um, like in real life, you know, like knowing a celebrity that is gay or like having a black president and stuff like that. But representation in fiction is also really important, especially since that's what a lot of like kids consume. Um, I would have loved to see Lavender in Papal Prince and on played by a black actress. We have such little diversity in the series and another character of color that plays a big role in that movie would be really great, especially because it means we would have seen an interracial relationship. Um, we do have the, a couple of those with Ginny and Dean and Fred and Angelina, but they were very brief, like screen time. And this would have been a relationship that's like kind of a major plot point in the book, um, getting a lot of screen time. And seeing a young black girl and a young white boy go through a whole relationship on screen would have been great representation, kind of for the same reasons um, that I mentioned before. It's just like seeing things like that makes you like get rid of your biases against it. Um, and this is, again, nothing against Jessie Cave. She played Lavender really well. I just think it's ignorant to think that you can just change the race of a character when they become more important and no one will notice or care. I don't know who was responsible for those decisions, but I think it was really insensitive and problematic. And I think 
I, I realized that like we wouldn't be having this conversation if they hadn't cast a black actress in the first place. But I think it's just like, it's very disappointing. It makes me pretty mad. And I just think it like is a huge miss on important representation. Yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing that they just like really missed out on giving us that representation because every other character that is portrayed as black like is for sure black in the book so making somebody whose race was ambiguous not white would have been like really cool I my theory for what happened is that they just cast extras to play her in the first two movies and they're like oh let's cast some diversity that can just like sit in the background and look good and then when they like audition for Lavender I'm not saying that they purposely cast a, a white woman because like you mentioned they did if that's true they did audition black actresses and then they just cast who they thought would best fit the role not saying that there wasn't some like white biases in making that decision but I do think that they just like missed out on an opportunity to make themselves look better and just not only make themselves look better but like do a service to having diversity in the movie yeah like I don't think that they made the wrong decision kind of like you said like I don't think they made the wrong decision in casting Jessie Cave because I do really think that she did a really good job like when I picture Lavender I picture her now um but with saying that it would have been just as good if not better with a person of color playing her you know what I mean that exactly yeah it's just like I don't know it's just it's a miss and it's disappointing and I, we've talked about representation in the series many times before, maybe not many times, but like a few times pretty in depth, like with our Dumbledore episode. And again, it's just, it, I think the lack of it is not abnormal. You know, a lot of, especially for the time, not to like excuse the times, but especially for the like time that this was written and coming out, even though it was only like 20, 30 years ago, it's. I think representation, especially in like youth literature and um, movies and stuff has come a long way. Yeah. But, so it's not abnormal, but that doesn't make it okay that there's not a lot of representation. And I just think it would have done so much for there, be to, for there to be more. And that's on JK. And that's also on the people who made those decisions with the movie. Yeah. That's all I have to say anyway. about it. Yeah, that's all I have to say too. Um... <laughs> But I think it's an important thing for people in the fandom to know. Like we said, neither of us knew it. But, yeah, it's something to be aware of. Yeah, for sure. So, taking a swerve. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So, this section is about her death. So, if you are unaware, her death is left up to be very ambiguous. Not only through the books but the movies and online as well. Kind of every medium is telling us something different. So from the book, I'm going to read a quote from Deathly Hallows during the Battle of Hogwarts. Let me just find it here really quickly. So two bodies fell from the balcony overhead as they reached the ground, and a gray blur that Harry took for an animal sped four-legged across the hall to sink its teeth into one of the fallen. No, shrieked Hermione, and with a deafening blast from her wand, Fenrir Greyback was thrown backward from the feebly stirring body of Lavender Brown. He hit the marble banisters and struggled to return to his feet. 
Then, sorry, I'm just going to continue reading because this is funny. Then with a bright white flash and a crack, a crystal ball fell on top of his head and he crumpled to the ground and did not move. I have more, shrieked Professor Trelawney from over the banisters. Um, but so that is the last we ever hear from Lavender Brown in the book. So she was attacked by Fenrir and Greyback. In that reading... It seems like he's in his werewolf form. Like, they said four-legged and gray that Harry assumed to be an animal. Yeah. But then it makes me wonder how they knew that it was Fenrir Greyback. Because then it could have just been, like, any werewolf. Um, and then I'd it also seems... not confirm that the, it was, like, a full moon that night. Yeah. Um, I was wondering about this later in my section it seems like he was transformed based on the description but also i think that like he is like kind of wolf like when Mm -hmm. he's a person right you know we know that he has no reservations about attacking people when he's not transformed and he it could be that like he was like shirtless or something and like he just has a hairy body and was like moving (laughs) quickly and like moving like (laughs) i don't know Yeah, so either way, it's, like, not super clear. Um, But, yeah, so that's the last we hear from her in the books. So she's left feebly stirring on the ground. In the movies, it is pretty explicitly shown that she died. We get a close-up on, like, her dead eyes staring up, not moving. Now, on Pottermore... On her Pottermore profile, up until, like, September, October of 2015, she was listed as presumed dead. Which is, like, what the fuck do you mean presumed dead? Like This is a fictional universe. <laughs> like, either JK just doesn't know, or she just doesn't want to tell us. And, like, I... That's fine, like, you do you, JK, but, like, putting up presumed dead is, like, nobody else is listed as presumed dead. They are either dead or alive. Lavender Brown is the only person that has been listed as presumed dead. Or we just don't know anything about what happened to them. You know, like, yeah. we just didn't see them at all during the battle yes. or after. So, like, like that many other people could be presumed dead, but she's the only one that has it listed. No, that's not the end of the story, folks. <laughs> But like I said, up until September, October of 2015, that's what she was listed as. Post-September, October of 2015, it was removed. So there's just nothing. There was just nothing. So Like, why remove it? Why? Exactly. First why off, why, why put it up? Why take it down? It seems like it's this big conspiracy <laughs> that, like, either JK's going to clear up for us, like, on the 50th anniversary of the book coming out, or I don't know. But it seems like there's something fishy going on. I don't know whether, like, a Pottermore writer put that up there, and then JK was, like, it started to get, like, a lot of attention. Like, it started to be, like, this thing in the fandom, like, is Lavender Brown dead? dead? And JK was, like, take that down. She's alive. Like, I JK... don't know. My theory is that JK is planning an 11 part movie <laughs> franchise on, on Lavender Brown. the life of Lavender Brown as a werewolf. Oh, um, okay. Modeled after the life of Jacob in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be like a Twilight spinoff, but also a Harry Potter epilogue. So it's going to end up being, like, the movies are coming Grey, soon. Like, Twilight fanfic? Yeah, Twilight fanfic. <laughs> Twilight Harry Potter fanfic. Okay. Lavender marries Jacob. I don't, does Jacob? 
Is he alive at the end of Twilight? I've never in my life seen a Twilight movie or read okay. a book. So. I really had to think to get the name Jacob. I think that's the right one. I'm talking I about Taylor Lautner. I think that's the right name. Um, <laughs> oh, it's Edwards. I could not Sorry. think of Robert Pattinson's name in that movie. Um, anyways, or that, those books. Sorry, I don't want to be disrespectful to any Twilight fans we have. Um, but yeah, so it's just like this really big... It's like a thing. It's kind of like I just had to explain to my mom what like calmly meant in the Harry Potter fandom, like that kind of context. So I feel like it's just one of these things that's like woven into the fabric that makes the Harry Potter fandom is like this debate on whether Lavender Brown is alive or dead. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of debates like her race. If she had her, sex, if she had sex if with she Ron, sex, she's a very she controversial alive? character. Is she a werewolf? <laughs> um, Who knows? But yeah, so a website, oh, the website that published the article, okay, I read this article, it was like mashable, hypeable, it was hypeable. <laughs> So this, I don't know if this was like the first ever article written about the whole Lavender Brown like debate, but every subsequent article I read about it was like referencing this hypeable article. So I think it must have been the first one. It was in 2015. So it was kind of very timely written because it was just taken down. Anyways. Um, oh, so, I read this. <laughs> so in this article, they also brought up how this is a very much a disservice to the character Lavender Brown that her fate is left up in the air. Um, quote from the article. That's right. Despite everything, Lavender fought for her ex-boyfriend, who frankly treated her appallingly, not to mention his mates, and she might have even lost her life. Another disservice to Lavender was that even though we'd seen her since she became a first-year Gryffindor from Harry's year, we never even found out whether she recovered from Fenrir Greyback's attack. So it's just kind of this, like... People who do think that Lavender Brown is an underrated character or do think that she's falsely maligned, it's just, like, this other... this. One more thing that's like, she doesn't even matter. We don't even know whether she's alive or dead. She doesn't even get the honor of knowing. Can I just point out, though, my one issue with this quote is, like, the implication that fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts was fighting for Ron and for Harry and for Hermione. Maybe for Harry out of anyone because, like, Harry could have been given up, but... They were fighting Voldemort. Yeah. Like, it's not like Harry and Ron and Hermione were just like, there's some bad people out there. You don't know that they're bad, but just, like, take it, take our word for it. Like, everyone there knew that they were fighting Voldemort. Yeah. But, uh, like, the essence of what they're saying is helping Harry comes to Hogwarts, brought the yeah. brought the yeah. battle to Hogwarts, asked for help, and she was willing to help. Like, she yeah. could have very well left. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, she's definitely not fighting this battle for Ron. But just kind of the essence of not even helping them out, but just, like, willing to be on their side. hmm And I agree that Ron treated her, frankly, very appallingly. Yes. No. That's not, like, the issue with this. Quote. Yeah. It's just, like, that's... Yeah. It definitely, it, it, it like... It's not inaccurate, but it is, is a false portrayal. They're painting with some broad strokes here. Yeah. So here's the case for her being dead. If she were alive, we might have seen her mention like post battle, like in the Great Hall. Harry does mention a couple names that he sees sitting at the tables post the battle. Um. So if she wasn't mentioned, that adds to the case of her not being around. 
in the movies, they portray her as dying. I understand that the movies aren't canon. I would be the first one to argue that with you, that they aren't canon. But it could be assumed that maybe JK had a hand in being like, yeah, it's okay to like show her dead. Because like in her mind, she ends up dying. We do know, which I did not know. I don't know where this number comes from, but everybody on the internet seems to agree with it. We do, we do know apparently that five, that fifty four people died at the Battle of Hogwarts. The only um, like source I could see is like in Cursed Child. Here he mentions the fallen fifty. Um, but every time I saw that, people were like, "No, we actually lost fifty four exactly." But like, I don't know where this number is coming from. But everybody seems in agreement about it, so we're just going to run with it. Um, So we know that 54 to 50-ish people die in the Battle of Hogwarts. We only, I believe the quote I saw was, we only have names of like seven of those people, like confirmed, something like that. And so there's a lot of people that we don't have name, that we don't know that died that day. So it's very plausible Mm -hmm. that like Lavender could have been one of those 50 to 54 people. This, to me, is the most convincing evidence. Later, after we see her get attacked by Femme Greyback, we do see Pavardi and Trelawney pulling a sheet over a dead body. And crying. So, from that, I think it's heavily implied that she died. Do I believe that that's concrete evidence that she died? No, I don't. The case for her being alive, she's left stirring. We do, like, like I read from the quote, she's left stirring. She's not left dead and not moving and she could have died like in subsequent seconds I don't know but part of the case for her being alive is she was not she was still moving the last time we saw her we do know that people can survive an attack from a werewolf whether in werewolf form or in person form and she's not listed among the dead whenever Harry thinks about who lost their lives like when he's walking to like Voldemort in the in the forest I think he's like Thinking of all the people who died, like Lupin and Tonks and blah, blah, blah. She's not one of the ones listed. So, you can draw your own conclusions for that. I think that I'm a little bit more on the side of that she's probably dead. Um, But like I said, just because it's implied or she's presumed dead doesn't mean that she's actually dead. And it would be really nice of JK to let us know. I think, well, I kind of like that we don't know because I like all this wild speculation. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but I think that the Pavardi-Trelawney thing is maybe the most damning evidence. The, yeah. That's in the book, right? Yes. That's, like, that's pretty strong. Like, it's not obviously not necessarily her, but that's, like, the heaviest implication, I think. Yes. I, I, that's what. Yes, I agree. I believe that is also the strongest evidence because, like, for Pavardi to be there, I think it limits it to, like, Pavardi and Lavender, or Padma and Lavender, excuse me. And mm-hmm. then for Trelawney to be there, the the Venn diagram of that overlaps at Lavender Brown. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it could be... Unidentified Gryffindor girl. It could be an unidentified Gryffindor girl. And like Trelawney being there could just be in support of Pavardi. It doesn't mean that like Trelawney was also affected. I mean, I'm sure she was affected, but both of them being there doesn't necessarily mean the person is tied to them. Yeah. Okay. So my section, I'm gonna 
talk about this article that Katie so kindly assigned to me um, about her potentially being an underrated character. Okay. The article is entitled, Why Lavender Brown is the Most Slept On Character in Harry Potter. It is written by... I think I think I was supposed to say Lauren, not Lorner. I'm pretty sure it was Lauren. Maybe it's Lauren. Oh. <laughs> I I don't know. It's uh I want to give the it's Lauren. Written by Lauren Sarner and published on inverse.com. I just want to say that I don't I don't really know whether I read this article before I put it in there. I was just like, oh, people think she's an underrated character. Let's talk about it. Uh, so Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um, I just want to say that in the intro to this article, she is described as, quote, rather vapid and, quote, Harry's most misunderstood classmate. I'm going to tell you one of those I agree with. <laughs> you can guess which one. Um, the reasons laid out for her bad reputation. Bad. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Big <laughs> reputation. <laughs> Our reputation by Taylor Swift is actually lavender brown singing about her relationship with raw it's just called reputation not big reputation um so the reasons for her bad reputation are her relationship with ron like her being the way she acted in that way um she's coded as less intelligent because she likes divination which i feel bad for there like that was an unfair representation and the, like, teen girl stereotype that she falls into. This author then goes on to say that if she were a modern-day teenager, she'd be a Tumblr girl and big into fandoms and swooning over hot celebrities, which, like, I totally buy. Certainly see that. Yes. Um, but then this next point. <laughs> this apparently often, being a Tumblr girl, often segues into social justice activism. I buy it. Um, Okay. (laughs) So then they say that if she did not die and she, in fact, did become a werewolf, her teenage self, like being the Tumblr girl, hints that she would be an avid social justice warrior for werewolf reform and against werewolf prejudice. And that if she put that much energy, that energy that she threw into her relationship with Ron into this cause instead, she could make real change. The one thing that I did like about this article was the quote at the end, which I feel like is fair. And it's Luna Lovegood and Hermione Granger are the girls everyone wants to wanted as their best friends, but Lavender Brown is that part of everyone at 16 that's buried by adulthood. Which is fair. I I I don't like Lavender Brown, but I will be the first to admit that we probably probably a lot of us don't like her because we were there are parts of us that were like her or we knew people that were like her when we were growing up and we just see her as annoying and it's not a fair way to just treat her that way it's like it's a little bit like it's just like bashing and putting down like a teenage girl and saying that they're not really like capable of being intelligent and stuff but that's all. That's a fair claim as, like, why we shouldn't be as bad to her as we are. My take is that she is nowhere near the most slept-on character in Harry Potter. Because the she argument the that they left... might be the most slept-with character of Harry Potter. Oh! As in one With Ron. Person. One person. We don't see evidence of anybody else, so... 
Uh, okay. Um, so my take. It's interesting to imagine Lavender's life post-series. Like I said, that would be a great film franchise. Um, if she did become a werewolf, I think that's really interesting. Um, and that would be a cool story. Not like glow up, but like the whole idea of her being like an activist would be a glow up, I think. Mm-hmm. It's also cool to think of her working with Hermione slash Kingsley in the ministry to kind of get this work done. Um, maybe her and Hermione would finally find some common ground because we know Hermione continued her spew work and worked for the Department of Regulation and Control of Mag- Magical Creatures. So like maybe there was some overlap there. But this is a terrible reason for her to be the most slept on character because it is entirely speculation. It is entirely speculation. First off, we don't even know that she's alive. Second off, if she's alive, it's not entirely clear that she would be a werewolf. Third, if she's alive and she's a werewolf, how do we know that she's immediately going to become a social justice warrior? I do not buy the evidence that her being a Tumblr girl or a would have been a Tumblr girl as a teenager means that she's going to become a social justice warrior. You mean you don't also, buy that they're speculating about her being a Tumblr girl, Tumblr girl and then speculating that that would make her a um, social justice warrior, that they're speculating that she'd become a werewolf and then they're speculating that she'd become a werewolf social justice warrior? You don't buy that? You don't buy that evidence? <laughs> so anyway, I personally am not a fan of Lavender. Like I said, I think... I, I do want to remind everyone, in case you haven't listened to our Gryffindor episode, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend <laughs> listening to because it was like our third episode, but about a year ago, I did list Lavender as my least favorite Gryffindor in Harry's time, probably second only to my actual least favorite being Wormtail. Yeah. I fully stand by that decision. She is my least favorite Gryffindor besides Wormtail. I think now that I'm older and I'm less critical of her, I'm a bit less critical of her now that I'm so mature. I don't mean since last year. I mean, like, since I read the series, I'm a little bit older and less critical because, like, I recognize that, like, she's been portrayed as this, like, teenage girl stereotype that's not great. Um, Now I just kind of roll my eyes at her immaturity and I still don't like her and she annoys me. I also want to bring up who Katie listed as her least favorite <laughs> during Harry's time. This is going to lose her a lot of fans, but she said Ron. Uh, I. That's what people sleep on. People sleep on Ron being the worst Gryffindor. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said that. I don't even remember what my evidence was, but I stand by it. Okay. <laughs> um, side note, I'm listening to another Harry Potter podcast, and they are discussing Ron's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, uh, credentials for being a prefect? Like, whether he deserved to be a prefect or not. Uh, and I'm fully on the, he did not deserve to be a prefect, and yeah, was no. a terrible prefect side of that discussion. Anyways, my feelings also. on Lavender and why I alluded to me defending her is kind of like what you said when you defended her. I think that a lot of the criticism for Lavender comes from her being portrayed as a stereotypical teenage girl and these stereotypical teenage traits being seen as like bad traits and like the connection between those two things is like 
a gossiper or somebody who's too emotional and seeing her as like a quote-unquote bad character for having those traits is inherently being prejudiced towards teenage girls and girls in general by making their traits seem as automatically bad or annoying traits and like that's where I take issue with it maybe that's like more me taking issue with like the writing of it and like her being portrayed as this like annoying girl but also having all of these like stereotypical girl traits um but anyways that's like kind of where I come to defend her is that like teenage girls get a bad rep in like a lot of media and a lot of fiction Mm -hmm. um because we're seen as like too emotional like go by our feelings our emotion swings like we're too clingy we obsess over fandoms too much like all of these things all all of these things are subsequently also seen as being like negative traits and like that's where I take issue with it yeah but that I I don't know yeah, if that's so I much think, a defense of like her as a person whether or of just like stereotypical teenage girls traits being portrayed as negative things. Right. I agree with that. I also don't like that representation, but I don't think that there I don't think that doesn't mean I have to like Lavender because yeah. there actually is nothing deeper to her. Yeah. Or, I mean like I said, know, I don't know if that's really a defense of her character. If not, just, like, teenage girls in general, like, give us a break. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that, like, my headcanon is that a lot of this comes out of, like, insecurity. Um, yeah. Which, like, again, is, like, a thing that teenagers experience. Like, maybe especially yeah, teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. But, like, especially in your teenagers, I feel like you just have a lot of, like, scrutiny about everything. Like, I'm still insecure to this day, but I feel like I'm not as insecure as I was when I was, like, in middle school or high school. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. That's where, like, that's my headcanon, that a lot of, like, her, like, quote-unquote annoyingness or clinginess, and especially in her relationship with Ron, comes from, like, her insecurity about, like, maybe feeling love and, like, having somebody love them for the first time and, like, how that, like, makes her feel. Right. I agree. Okay, so now, sadly, there is no cocktail from the Archie Thomas cocktail book to should represent make Lavender Brown. I think we should come up with one. I don't know what it would be. <laughs> I know a very limited amount of cocktails. Yeah, probably most of the ones I know are in that yeah, book. Yeah, I was going to say, like, mimosa. Is Maybe, mimosa like, even... pink lemonade and vodka. Oh, I You know, like, that. the caution, like, like, like... Cl- the classic, like, freshman year... You hey, steal a pink lemonade like from still the... still my favorite drink, <laughs> lemonade and vodka. No, not a critique on the drink. It's just, like, freshman year of college, that's, like, what we did because we would, like, get the pink lemonade from the dining hall. <laughs> Audrey, we did not drink as freshmen in college. We were not 21. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, the day I turned 21, that's what I did. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so in place of that, I'm going to read a little bit from this Calling All Witches book that I have um the one that's like entirely based on the movies but it has some like pretty um illustrations and stuff and so she is in the section titled the women of Dumbledore's army and before I talk about Lavender's description in this section I want to point out that they really went um they really committed to Padma being a Gryffindor in the movies because like, any time in this book that there's, like, a person's name in, like, big letters, like, as a title, under it they put 
a descriptor word or a few descriptor words. And Padma's, not only is she drawn exactly the same way as Pavardi, like wearing the same thing, the Gryffindor like tie. It, no, they are also wearing the same earrings. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is that they're like, Pavardi's like turned a little bit. Anyway, Padma's only descriptor, all of these women in this one, in this section only have one descriptor, is courageous. I don't know enough about Padma to disagree or agree with that. Um, they just really committed to the Gryffindor thing. They really did. They really, really did. Anyway. Basically, everyone is just, like, something, a trait from their house in this section because they're not very, like, well-known characters. But, so Lavender Brown's descriptor is protective, which I feel like actually kind of works. Like, yeah. you think about her and Ron. Yeah. And what's written about her. Okay. It says, Lavender Brown had a huge heart, and once a person won her over, she was in their corner forever. Lavender was sorted into Gryffindor the same year as Harry, Ron, and Hermione. She was a favorite of divination professor Sybil Trelawney and grew especially angry when Dolores Umbridge fired her. In Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Lavender was a member of Dumbledore's army. What? That happened in Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) This book is a joke. And she briefly dated Ron. When Ron was accidentally poisoned in Professor Slughorn's office, Lavender rushed to his side, only to find Hermione there first. A nasty breakup followed, but that didn't stop Lavender from joining the battle against the Dark Lord in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Part 2. Just so you know, it's about the movie. Oh my god. Anyway. You know, not a great description, but... No, I can't say it was very great. Um... So for the where are they now section, I'm just going to wildly speculate. So if she were alive now, I think that she'd probably have some sort of job, some sort of profession. Um, she might be married. Do you think she would be a social justice warrior? Obviously, yes. Um, <laughs> she, she might be married to someone of with some name. Um, she may or may not have a certain number of children. Um and she's probably still friends with Pavardi. That's my wild speculation. Um, yeah. Nice. That's all I got. I wasn't very creative because I'm not a very creative person. But yeah, if anybody wants to send uh, headcanons our way of like if Lavender Brown were alive, like what her life would be like. I did. Li- I actually do like the glow up um, in that article that she like worked at the ministry like defending werewolves and like becoming a social justice warrior i don't know if there's any evidence to that like becoming true but i think that'd be super cool i also want to put out the call for headcanons on the unidentified Gryffindor girls again yeah that'd be great are you concerned about the fact that your favorite harry potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. 
Often we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. So for our pop quiz today, oh, let me pull up Facebook. I got it. Okay. Um, so if you have not joined our Facebook group yet, even after we've mentioned it 10 times in this episode, I think that you should really join it because we are going to start to post our pop quiz questions before we record so we can have you guys as answers in the episode. So we have two answers from two fans that we're going to bring up today. Um, but the question was, who is your favorite couple that doesn't end up together? Also, if you answer this post us recording, we apologize. We will comment, like we'll acknowledge you in the Facebook group, but you... We the, the these are the two that we have at the time of recording. Yeah. Did I? Read I did the say question? that. Did I say we the question? Yet? Yeah. Who is your favorite couple that doesn't end up together? You said that. Okay, I couldn't remember where I, I said it in between my rambling. <laughs> Anyways, the question is, who is your favorite couple that didn't end up together? Okay, so the what I meant for this question when I came up with it was like canning couples, people that actually were together in the books. The comments from. Listeners were not canon, but that's fine. Yeah. I didn't specify in the question. So Leia, who actually told us that we're her favorite podcast yeah, right now. That really made Leia. my life. I really appreciate it. Um, I was trying to keep my cool on the live when she said that. I literally, as um, soon as it was over, I like ran downstairs to my mom. I'm like, did you see Leia's comment? <laughs> Leia said Luna and Neville. Even though it's kind of a movieism, I thought they were cute and it would have been cool for the golden slash silver trios to end, all end up together. Mm. At least she's with a Scamander. I like that. I think that's a great point, Leia. I think I would, like, be more in support of this if they if it wasn't just a movieism and they, like, actually gave us some reason for them being together. But I think that they could be, like, cute together. We just never get a chance to see them. Yeah, they would be. I think, that, like, I feel like they would look, like, super cute together and, like, Neville's kind of, like, awkward dorkiness, like, match with, like, Luna's just, like pure confidence and like her own quirkiness would be like really cute I think also my issue with this couple is when people don't acknowledge that it's a movieism so like Leia acknowledged it was a movieism so it's fine (laughs) and then Sophie said honestly Dean and Seamus and I pushed her on this and I was like well this is not a canon couple and she was like it's not not a canon couple that's true so that's, I mean, honestly, I love Dean and Seamus together, so. <laughs> I can dig it. Actually, Our I other... like me and Dean together better, so. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> Our other options out of the ones in the, that are canon couples that don't end up together, and we might be missing some, but I think we got them all. Fred and Angelina, Hermione and Crumb. Ron and Lavender, Cho and Harry, Cho and Cedric, Percy and Penelope, Ginny and Dean, and Ginny and Michael Corner. I want to point out that Katie forgot the Ginny ones. I did. I did. But I'm proud of myself for getting the Percy Penelope. I feel like that's like one that people forget about. Percy does go on to marry a girl named Audrey. That is correct. 
<laughs> so my favorite, I think. Yeah, has I noticed to be, you didn't put it in the notes, but I put mine in the notes, so you know my answer, and I don't know yours. I feel like mine's a power different than yours. I had already, I had already decided. You don't put things like in the notes all the time. There's a power imbalance. We also never put our answers in the notes. Well, because we never have the question written before we record. I, had my answer decided before you wrote yours, it's not the same. Okay. My answer is Hermione and Crumb. Okay. I don't, like, love them together. I don't really love any of these couples. I think my runner-up was probably Fred and Angelina, even though we, like, don't... They're not, like, really a couple. They just go to the Yule Ball together. So by that logic, Ginny and Neville should be on this list. And yeah. Seamus and Lavender and, like, all of that combination. <laughs> Harry and Pavardi. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Hermione and Crumb. I think their relationship, not that I really think Crumb is, like, good enough for her, but I think that their relationship is, like, interesting, and I love that he, like, like, kind of, like, picks her out of the crowd and, like, is super into her when, like, honestly, I'm not saying that she needs to get outside gratification from other people, but I feel like Hermione needed that confidence boost then. Like, we're saying, as a teenage girl, and, like, that was the year that, like, Malfoy and everybody were being especially mean to her and the whole teeth thing and everything. So, I don't know. I think Hermione and Crumb is really kind of fun. It's, like, unexpected, right? This, like, bookish girl getting the superstar Quidditch player. And I like it because Hermione's, like, the only, like, one of the girls at Hogwarts that didn't even really show interest with in Crumb. Like, she wasn't, like, fawning over him. And it made Ron mad, which was funny. So, that's yeah. my choice. So, um, Hermione Crumb was my first instinct. Like, oh, of course, it's going to be Hermione Crumb. But then, like, I remembered that there's, like, the kind of creepy age difference between them. That, like, I don't know if I love. Yeah, um, it's not great. Yeah. So, like, that's <laughs> the only reason why I didn't pick Hermione Crumb. So, I won't be so... So I went with Cho and Cedric. Um, we don't. There's also an age difference there. But Cho, I believe Cho's a year older. Yeah, I was gonna say. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Cho is actually a year older than Harry. So the age difference between Cedric and Cho is like two years. Two, yeah. Um, but anyways, um, I like we don't see a lot of their relationship, but we see how much like his death affected her like granted that's not like it's maybe not the best indicator for like how much how many like her feelings for him because like even if she was just like yeah I think he's cute and I like spending time with him and like he died you could still have like a very emotional reaction to their death like just because like her being so devastated doesn't mean that she was like wholly in love with him or anything but I don't know I think that they could be like a a cute couple plus like I'm I don't know they seem like two kind of like hot shot people at the school that are both like kind of like in the cool circles. Like, I don't know. I could just like see them. I, I think that if he had not died that they would have probably just been like those typical like high school sweethearts that like were the football captain and the cheerleader, even though that in this case they were both equally as amazing at sports. <laughs> um, not saying that if you're a good cheerleader you're not like – a very good athlete or anything but like they played the same sport they were like more even footing a little bit same position S- same position that is correct um and they just like 
you you know, like that couple from your high school that just dated all throughout high school and then get married and just have the cutest babies and they were like the prom king and queen and like that's how I picture Cho and Cedric's relationship. Cho and Cedric are the Yule Ball king and queen. That is true. I would Another have option that him. we didn't list is Fleur and Roger Davies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which, you know, might take the cake. I just, I'm listening to the books and I just listened to like the end of four and oh my God, I love in that, that like when Bill comes to Hogwarts, there's just like the quick line about Fleur being like, about like Fleur just like eyeing Bill a little bit. Harry's like, Fleur didn't seem to have a problem with like the fang dangling from his ear or like his hair or something. And it's just like so subtle and you don't think anything of it. And then like. They get married. I just, I love that. I love that JK leaves. There's always, like, like we mentioned with Sirius, I think in the last episode, when I brought up Slughorn's first mention, I was like, I don't know, he could have been mentioned before. But, like, she always just, like, normally, like, the book before, she just, like, drops a hint about something that'll, like, become important in later books. And I just, I love that. Yeah. I love that, too. Okay. (laughs) That's all for this episode. Uh, I'm still struggling with remembering this since we stopped writing it down. You can find our episodes on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We release every other Tuesday. So check us out. Make sure you rate and review us. Um, That would be really helpful for us growing the pod. Yes, I did notice that we've been stagnated at 25 reviews for a while. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I will get desperate enough to leave an, leave my own review, so please don't <laughs> let me get that low. Um, anyways, you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Wizard Studies on Twitter. Again, join our Facebook group. It's where all the cool kids are at. Um, I have really fun like discussion topic things to bring out, but I don't want to do it until like there's more people in the group so that I actually like fulfills the dream in my head of it being a great discussion um so join the facebook group let me live out my dreams you can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com as always thank you so much for listening and remember just do your best we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot <laughs>